What's up, everyone? So uh, you're about to watch another episode of the Die Buddies podcast, where Dr. Grady and I talk about technology and what happens when it fails. Uh, so we talk about everything from what our thought process is when our blood sugar is a little bit higher to how often we should or shouldn't change our lancets because as diabetics, we're fantastic at changing our lancets, as well as, you know, what the actually means um, and what how it could almost hurt in the emotional impact of technology failing um, as a diabetic. Uh, so we're excited for this one. We think it's a really good episode. And uh, yeah, make sure you like, share, subscribe, do all those fun things. Um, and we'll jump right into it. The following discussion is for educational purposes only and is not intended to diagnose or treat any disease. Please do not apply any of this information without first speaking with your doctor. What is up, everyone, and welcome to the Diabetes Podcast, where we discuss how to take control of your health and gain the freedom to live the life that you deserve. I'm Gary Pano, and with me is my co-host, Dr. Grady Donahoe who is a board-certified chiropractic internist. All right, and welcome back, everyone, to today's episode of the Die Buddies podcast. Uh, today, we're going to be diving a little bit more into uh, technology and what that means as a, as a diabetic, as a type 1. Uh, but this weekend, it's been, uh, you know, it's NFL playoffs and Dr. Green and I are both, he's supporting his Packers per usual. And I'm wearing my Bears hat in defiance of of him because uh, we are really the kings of the north. But uh, today yeah. we're, ex- <laughs> we're excited to dive into, um, you know, some frustrations and strategies to deal with when technology kind of goes haywire. So, uh, you know, Grady. I'm excited to talk with you. Always a pleasure to to host this podcast with you. Oh yeah, yeah, we gotta get it done fairly quickly so that way I can watch the Packer game. Mm. But um, but yeah, it's it's a good topic to get into because I think we as that type, especially type ones, um, struggling with technology um, is is always frustrating. Everybody struggles with technology, um, but when it comes to affecting your health and struggling with technology it can put a little bit more frustration into the mix. Um, and we've definitely dealt with that a lot. And so we're, it's going to be a little bit of a soapbox, I'm sure. Um, but at the same time, um, hopefully we can give some good strategies and information um, and help, help everybody think maybe in a different, different way um, and help people get through things a little bit more efficiently. Um, so let's, I'm going to start by asking you, Garrett, when you, go to and check your blood sugar and you see that it's a high blood sugar, what is your first thought? Is it that you bowl is strong? Is it that um, something has gone wrong with your pump or your pump site or your CGM or um, what, what's kind of going through your head when you see that high number? Uh, yeah, that's a good question. So when I see a high number on my CGM or just probably more with CGM than finger stick uh, is what's going on. And uh, my first thought isn't, did I bolus wrong? I literally think about all those questions simultaneously. Probably the most common thinking about a question is, what did I eat last? And when did I give insulin last? 
and I quickly answer that question. Oh, that was 15 minutes ago, or that was 30 minutes ago, or an hour. You know, that gave myself insulin. Um, so I, I try to first think about the time frame so I can answer that question. And, and by answering that question, I think, okay, well, that's probably a calculation error or whatever have you. So mm-hmm. that's typically my first thought is what has happened recently in the last hour, you know, in a time frame manner that could answer this question, what got me here? Mm-hmm. What a, I mean, uh, that's my first thought. And from based on that answer, then I have, you know, flow charts in my brain of like this or that, this or that. Yeah, I got you. Yeah, I would say for me, it's, it's very similar as far as, okay, because I mean, obviously blood sugar is largely driven by what we eat. And so thinking about what you ate last, um, what was in it, did you actually think about the proper amount of insulin to take? Or was it just kind of off the whim because you're busy, you're doing something? Um, mm-hmm. And then and then kind of auditing, okay, if I took the right amount of insulin because that's a meal I usually eat, all right, then what went wrong um, in the in the outside outside of that kind of flow chart? Is it you know stress in my life? Did something stressful just happen to me and so my blood sugar just shot up, or is my body in some sort of stress state because I had lack of sleep? Um, usually, my mindset goes first towards myself and my lifestyle at that moment. Um, whether it be the food or whatever's going on with my body physiologically first, my mind just goes directly to that. And then if everything has been ruled out, as far as that goes, then I'm starting to think about, okay, what failed within my ecosystem of diabetes care? Was it the pump site that's off? Or is it something with the tubing or the connection with the tubing? Or is it um, something going on with the pump that's not working or did for some, for some odd reason, did I enter in all the numbers and everything and I, for whatever reason, assumed I hit the button or I didn't hit the button fully mm-hmm. and then it ended up not actually giving me the, the bolus dose. Um, so yeah, my mindset first goes to, okay, what's going on with myself and my body and what I've been doing and then... I start to throw blame at the things that I can't necessarily control um, sure. with it, which is the technology. I remember you, you, I think you've done burst my beta cells on this a couple of times in the past uh, you know, you've even considered is my insulin bad, you know, mm-hmm. you know that's part yeah. of like something you can or can't control category. Now with your extreme level of cortex and your high intelligent brain, uh, how far down the rabbit hole of thinking about your physiology and the food do you go before you say that's too much? Let me take a step back and think about all these other th- factors. You know, do you go down rabbit holes of thinking, well, my cortisol was this, my testosterone is probably this hot, you know, do you actually think about that first or do you first like or make it simplistic and then think about diabetes tech? I go pretty far down the rabbit hole because I, <laughs> I get there pretty quick. Um, especially if like everything is good as far as um, what I bolused and what I ate should have matched up. Um, Almost immediately I go to, all right, so what's happening in my physiology? And I just think about it in the context of what's been happening that day or that week. And if I'm seeing trends of it going up and then now it's significantly going up, I'm like, okay, so what have I been doing 
that's leading me down this downward slope. And then now it's gone over the edge. So like sometimes um, there's weeks where I don't exercise as much as I normally do. And then therefore, um, if I go long enough without exercising, I definitely see a change in that insulin sensitivity. And then sometimes I'll get that big fall off. It's like, all right, my body's like, all right, we don't exercise anymore. So our insulin resistance or insulin sensitivity is now way different. And so um, a lot of times I'm thinking all the way through that much before, uh, long before I go down the pathway of, of technology. Um, but ultimately, even when I get to a solid conclusion with my physiology um, or what's going on in my life, I still, as an afterthought, I'm like, okay, I just need to monitor and see, you know, my systems, whether it might be my pump, you know, I'll look and see, look at my pump site just to make sure there's no like um, peeling off of the, of the site or nothing weird going on there. Um, but ultimately, yeah, I, I go down the, the rabbit hole. I 100% believe it. <laughs> but I feel like, so let's say without going into the nitty gritty, because that's not the topic of, of this conversation of like all those factors. Uh, let's say you come up with some conclusion like, oh, you think, well, my exercise has been lacking and I have been getting less sleep because I've been working on this and that. And so sensitivity change. Okay. Well, then you adapt, right? So then you make some action. How many times do you then, let's say you think it's, not a tech problem, but more of a physiological problem. How many times do you get a failure of that logic before you then start to think about um, your, your tech? Cause I think that for me is always a hard question. Like I can justify, well, I can see myself being this high because I, these things are wrong and my, my body's doing this now, but how many times are you going to try and work with that conclusion until you have to think of a, a different, uh, hypothesis of why your blood sugar is acting. And then you look, you change your direction, look towards your tech, you know, is it just like at the second time you say, okay, now let me look at it. Or are you like stubborn with it? And you just keep trying. And then you look at your, your, all your other, uh, I'm just going to use the word tech as all the things you said before, all uncontrollables, insulin, expiration, pump sites. We'll just use the word tech generally for anything that's not your body. Yeah. So how many times does it take for you to get to the tech part? Uh I, so I'm thinking of two different scenarios and therefore two different answers to this. So um, looking back at when I was struggling with the insulin and thinking that the insulin or end up, ended up thinking that the insulin was the problem as far as going bad and then not working. So that one, it took me a while. I was trying everything, um, at least physiology physiology wise, um, to try and correct it and combat it and try and figure out a pattern. Cause what was happening is, you know, obviously when I first changed my pump and refilled my insulin, everything was working fine. My blood sugars were nice and stable. Um, everything was great. And then when I would get towards the end of the pump site, like day, sometimes day later in day two, day three, um, sometimes my insulin lasted a day till day four and maybe a little bit on, but in those last days, I would notice a significant spike. And so, you know, obviously, like I said, my first mind, go, my, my mind first goes to what's going on with my lifestyle, my body. And so I struggle with that one for probably at least three weeks, maybe a month of trying to just 
do it on my own and not really thinking about insulin because I mean, I've been type one diabetic for over 10 years and never had a problem with insulin before and insulin going bad. And like I told, I've said on the podcast before, I used to leave my insulin on the hot summer turf um, during football and never had a problem then. And so that was like the furthest thing from my mind as far as being a problem. And then, so, I mean, that took me a while to figure out and try and delineate because it just wasn't on my mind because it hadn't been a problem before and therefore it just wasn't on my radar. So in scenarios like that, especially where it's working fine and then going bad, working fine and then going bad, it's like, okay, you start to think you're making progress. You're doing the right thing. And then all of a sudden it starts to go bad again. You're like, okay, nothing really changed. But then you try and make rationalizations like, oh, but this might have changed a little bit. Or maybe I went too hard on this and now it's starting to backfire on me. Like with exercise or something like that, you can exercise too much or too hard. And then it ends up creating a stress response and therefore uh, making a high blood sugar. So, you know, all that's going on in my mind and contradicting, um, you know, one another. So, so that one took me a while to finally not be stubborn and say, okay, there's something wrong with either my tech, like with my pump or the sites or something like that. Or, um, obviously ended up being the, um, the insulin. So that one took me a while. So before you get into your other scenario, I wanted to, you know, just outline that this is happening in the course three to five days, right? You know, and just remind listeners who maybe aren't type one diabetic or who are new to being type one diabetic. This is happening in the background of life and the mm -hmm. entropy and disorder and chaos of everything else going on. And like you said, it's enough to think you're getting progress, but it could also just because of life, it parallels and happens with a ebb and flow of things that are going on in your world. You could be in school or at work and you could be having great three days at work or school or something or whatever. And then you end up getting bad news at work. And then this is happening. And then maybe you're, you know, even come to that conclusion. Cause then you start thinking, well, everything that's happening at work, you know, is that, and is related to this. And so mm -hmm. that can delineate and, and get you sidetracked, but as well as it can make you forget about some of these things too. It's like you, you're dealing with everything, all the other crap of life. And yet you're trying to figure out in the course of three weeks, you know, 21 days, you're yeah. essentially like, your body and your mind and your, and your health are somewhat declining and going up and down while you're struggling with life or maybe succeeding in life. But it's, you're trying to figure something else like that you haven't thought about ever before. And you have to make that conclusion while everything else is going on. And unless, you know, I think we're doing our best job to, to illustrate what that might look like, but unless you're a type one, it's really hard to understand what that really feels. And, um, mm -hmm. but I know there are other scenarios and other people that can feel and empathize with that, but it's just, it amazes me that this is the stuff that we have to deal with Yeah. that. So that took you 21 days to really kind of figure out that pattern. So that's, uh, I'm glad that you eventually figured it out, but it's so weird that, yeah, even in the back of your mind, you have the turf experience and the hot sun. So it's just like such a low chance of the insulin being bad. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and that's what it ended up being. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you mentioned just like the, the length that it takes and like the emotional tax, like tax that, that, mm -hmm. that puts on you. Cause you're just, 
Like for me, especially I'm a very calm person, very mild person. I don't get frustrated very much. Um, I don't get irritated. I'm very easily scary. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so, but the only thing, the one thing that will set me off is diabetes. And so if I am, if I look irritated or I am irritated or I'm snappy, it's usually because my, my diabetes in some way, shape or form is frustrating me. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that long a time struggling with trying to figure out why this is happening. Um, it, it takes a toll and it's, I mean, it's just not a fun process because you're just, you're just angry. You end up getting angry about it. Um, so going to the different scenario, mm-hmm. which is more acute and thinking about basically a short-term, a short-term high and in regards to, okay, how, how is it related to what's, what's going on with either my body or my tech? So if, if I see a high blood sugar first, obviously I'm going to give a correction or do something to correct it, whether that's exercise or insulin or both. I'm going to do that. If it comes down great, then I know either my tech is working or, um, the exercise worked. If I take insulin and it does not come down, you know, I'm still, I'm still going to err on the side of, okay, what's, pushing my body to, um, to make more glucose. So was it that I ate too much protein or too much, um, fat in one sitting? Yeah. Cause I do that a lot. I eat, I like to eat a lot. And so that sometimes happens or is it my, ba- my, uh, um, body is stressed in some way. Like, am I, am I, have I not been getting that much sleep or is there just something that's stressing me out at that time? And, I think with every person that stress, like that emotional stress response is you, you kind of start to recognize how it feels when it's related to stress. So like, obviously a good example is during competition, like most everybody gets nervous and, or has a lot of sympathetics that are, that are just pumping, um, to get you ready for that competition. And so you recognize that feeling. Um, obviously that's an extreme side of things, but at least for me, that feeling, that emotional feeling and the way my body feels is a very similar, just a little bit toned down when my blood sugar is high due to that. So I kind of take a moment and just try and, you know, stop and think, how am I feeling? What's been going on? Is that affecting me? Is it not? Uh, does it feel like a stress response, like a pure emotional stress response? Um, and so if that's the case, then I try and do what I can to help break up that stress response. So for me, what helps is one, taking, taking more insulin to try and get it down. But at the same time, I'm going to try and exercise because the exercise portion obviously helps bring my blood sugar down. But at the same time, it helps me relieve the emotional stress that's going on. And so it helps get my mind off of things. It helps um, calm my body down. So that's one of the things that I like to do to help in that stressful situation. Some people like doing meditation or prayer or something of that nature, breath work um, to help calm their system down. And that's really effective too for some people. Um, so it just kind of depends on on what, 
on what your body likes and what you like to do. Mm-hmm. So, so that's when you exercise though, in this scenario, that that's the run, right? That's when you go for a run. Yeah. Run or something that's really intense. So it could be some sort of grappling or, um, or even just like weight weights workout, but it's just going to be really intense. So it, um, one higher heart rate. Yeah. Higher heart rate. So it's going to one, um, bring my blood sugar down quicker, but two it's, if it's harder and more intense, my mind's more on that than it is on anything else. So if, if it's more intense, obviously you have to focus on what you're doing because it's, it's intense. And so if it's, if my mind's focused on that, it's not going to be focused on, you know, a bad interaction with a patient or a car accident or whatever stressful situation was going on. Those things, if the, if the, if the stressor is bad enough, those things, you know, try and seep into your mind while you're doing those things. But if, if the thing, if the activity is intense enough, um, or in the, just nudging your brain the right way, um, it can, it can really help take your mind, um, out of those scenarios. Yeah. And that's, so I want to make a comment because we've talked about, uh, leg day and workouts in the past with high blood sugar and scenarios mm-hmm. for those types of things. Um, but I want to highlight what you're saying is almost more of a, there, there's things that we do, especially as you know, you and I as healthcare providers that are thinking about the physiology, let's do this for this response. Mm-hmm. But there are also things that we need to re- remember as practitioners, but as well as listeners or, or just diabetics out there, there are things you should do for those responses, but there are also things you need to do for your mental health and yeah. combat that stress. Like you're saying, like, you know, ne- meditation necessarily isn't going to bring down your blood sugar, like working out well. But at some point, you need to be doing things for you, yourself, and your being um, to help with that stress and that that in, and that internal reaction. Um, may, sometimes more so than the actual physiological um, damage of high blood sugar at that time, anyways. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think uh, I was talking about with a with a colleague about food restrictions and food eliminations and things like that recently, and we were talking about the psychology of uh, being restrictive and. I bring this up because the psychology of thinking my blood sugar is high and then I have to do X, Y, and Z. Well, yeah, you should probably do X, Y, and Z and you should get to it in a minute, but you should also do whatever you got to do to, to, to calm yourself, to center yourself, whether that be all those things that you just suggested. And I think, you know, we have to give ourselves a break as, as diabetics to remember that we're people and we should also need to take care of ourselves in that way too, and not just our blood sugar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think after having you, after having heard you say that, there's also it probably depends on what stress is going on. Is it some sort of long-standing stress where it's going to be occurring for days or weeks at a time, mm-hmm. or is it some sort of acute acute stress like you just witnessed a car accident right next to you and now your heart's pumping like crazy? Well, one you're probably gonna need to take some insulin just to combat that. Uh, but right. same time, it's not gonna it's not gonna stay with you um, for a long period of time. So you can go do some exercise, get it off your mind real quick. For the most part, it's gonna help get you over that stressful situation pretty quickly. 
Um, however, if it's some sort of longstanding stress, like stress with work or maybe a family member passing away or something that's it's going to stick with you for a, a, a while, then implementing strategies to help reduce that stress like meditation and meditation regularly. I, I always tell patients meditation is just like exercise. You're not going to get the results you want unless you're consistent with it. The more consistent you are with meditation, the better the results you're going to get and the more longstanding those results are going to be. And when you go and have some of those acute situations, you can then fall back on that because one, now you're, you're really practiced at it and you know how um, to do it really well, even while you're stressed. Um, and so in those acute situations, you can even use that to then help you because you're, you're much better at it because you've been consistently doing it. Um, but getting back to the original question of how long do I try and implement these strategies in the acute scenario, it's probably between 12 hours and 24 hours, maybe two days. Um, but there's, there's some nuance in there. So like if I, if I have high blood sugar, let's say early mid morning, early, fairly early in the day. And I take insulin because I'm like, oh, it may just be that I ate more than I thought. And um, it's high because of the food or the insulin or whatever. Then I'll take the insulin. If it's still high later on, then I'm like, okay, there's some sort of thing inhibiting my body from doing its job, whether it's stress or something else. So I try and correct that or I'm like, I just need to throw some chaos in the system. So I go work out okay. some, some sort of workout. It doesn't always have to be running, um, but some sort of workout just to throw um, some chaos in there to flush out what's going on. Cause exercise for me is just very therapeutic in many different ways. So um, it helps kind of clear the slate a little bit for me. And so I'll do that. If after I exercise and I've taken correction for insulin, if that hasn't worked, I am now going towards technology, my tech. What's going on? Because I have done everything to help try and increase my insulin sensitivity, which should combat a lot of the things in regards to different types of stressors, different types of physiology that may be impacting it, whether that's digestion or liver or whatever. Exercise for me helps my body kind of overcome those challenges. And so if now exercise has not worked and when I say not worked, a lot of times it's going to bring my blood sugar down and get it back into the right level, but it doesn't keep it there. So it just, it gets back in that right level. Then I resume my normal life, but it starts going back up again. And yeah. so I'm like, okay, now there's something, there's something wrong beyond just my body. Unless, unless I recognize, Hey, there's some longstanding stress here. Okay. That's probably why now it's then going back up. So I need to try and focus on that. So then I start going to my pump and I started thinking about the common things that then go wrong for me, which is usually just the port site. Um, so if that gets kinked at all or gets ripped out at all, and I didn't even realize it, sometimes that happens because the adhesive, you know, on that third, fourth, fifth day um, that adhesive can sometimes get pretty loose on there and there's just barely anything hanging on there because mm -hmm. I'm I don't use a lot of the tagaderm or even the k-tape yeah 
very much at all. And so that sometimes happens with me is that it, it sometimes like kinesio tape. Yeah. Kinesio tape. That's funny. But, uh, just cause there's a lot of products out there. That's such a chiropractic thing to use. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, continue. Um, yeah. So I don't use a lot of those tapes, but, um, unless it's like the second or third day and I'm like, well, I got another day or two left in me. I'm not going to trash this site yet. So I'll use them then. But that can happen where it, it falls out and you don't even realize it. And so obviously lifting your shirt up or checking where your site is to see is the site in and what does the site look like? Does it look real red and puffy? Like you just had a bunch of friction on it. Like sometimes after I do some grappling, whether that's jujitsu or wrestling, there's going to be a lot of friction in some areas. And so sometimes that can either kink the site or just create a lot of inflammation and scar tissue around there and then that can sometimes impact it so um so i look at the site if the site's fine then you know i'll look at the the tubing sometimes you get hooked on a doorknob or something and the tubing gets really stretched out oh, yeah. and so like it still kind of works but at the same time it can be impacted so yeah, you know efficient. yeah so, sometimes i'm like ah, we'll see what happens um if it, if it starts to go high then i'll change the tubing but um but yeah, that's, that's usually fairly, fairly quickly. So like, like I said, most of the time it's within the same day. Um, I'll try to implement some quick strategies to help get it corrected. If those strategies don't work and there's not any other explanation for it, then I'll immediately go to, all right, let's just change the site and see what happens. Um, and, and then go, for, go from there. Mm. Yeah, I think, um, yeah, the site location, what's happening with the site and then the tubing as a pump user is uh is definitely the go-to and that's probably more time when tech fails for me it's probably mostly that is i don't know how many times that has gotten kinked and you know i have discussed you know and there's other depending on your pump brand there's types of infusion sets mm -hmm. um i can't tell you what what is the most common pump use but for just sake just because i'm i know it real well the medtronic one um you know you're you play with the uh, metal uh, you know, insertion, um, there's a longer one, there's shorter ones, but the plastic tubing gets kinked all the time. And depending on your fat muscle ratio at that specific site and how much, you know, adipose and, and how much stress and how, if it's get, if you nick a part of the muscle and, and moves, it can get kinked really easy. Um, and about that by far is, is by the most common tech fail for me is that, um, which is super frustrating because it costs money and insurance and all those other things. Um, but I think the equivalent to a non-pump user, there's there's less variance in, in tech failing maybe for uh, MDI because mm -hmm. there's, you have your needle, you have your insulin, you know. But then the thing to consider that would be maybe part of it that's still you, but is uh, scar tissue. You, you mentioned it yourself. So um, I know a lot of people that do MDIs and do a lot of injections. You know, there's only so many places in your body and people have their favorites. We have our favorite fingertips. Mm -hmm. uh, right. To, to check blood sugar, even if it's subconscious, we probably only do like a, the same finger more times than not. And same thing with shots. And so it's like the, the same thinking for MDI would be, okay, is my insulin bad? You probably would think about that sooner with MDI than pump is my insulin bad was something weird with the needle or was the injection site where I put it, uh, incorrect. You know, mm -hmm. is there a scar tissue there? And should I not use that anymore? Which is a bigger conversation than to have about site rotations because you really need to be rotating your site more if that's starting to happen.
But uh, yeah. I think that would be the equivalent for MDI users for this scenario that you described. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then there's, and then relating back to um, CGM and even your glucometer that you finger stick with, sometimes I think about, and this was happening somewhat frequently back in chiropractic school at one point, I remember that I wasn't very confident in my glucometer or yeah, not, not necessarily these. my glucometer, but more so just the reading I was getting from it. Right. Because sometimes like in chiropractic school, I was obviously studying a ton. And so when I'm studying, cause I'm not moving and my body likes to move. So my body wants movement. And so I was constantly wanting to eat something because my, that just that enough stimulation with my jaw was enough for like my brain to like finally calm down. And so I was constantly just snacking on things. And so what I ended up doing is obviously trying to find healthy snacks that I wasn't just going to gain a bunch of weight from eating all day long. Um, and so I would snack on like carrots and sweet bell peppers, things like that. But those carrots and especially the sweet bell peppers where the sweet bell peppers will leak their juices onto your fingers. I would sometimes check my blood sugar and be really high or not really, really high, but it'd be a lot higher than I was thinking. And I was like, okay, this doesn't make sense. And then I thought about it. I'm like, well, you know, oftentimes you check your blood sugar and then you lick your finger to lick the blood off. Every diabetic does it. Oh yeah. And, and when it tastes, when your finger tastes sweet, you should probably check it again because it's probably (laughs) not very accurate because that's what was happening to me is I would check it. I'd lick my finger. I'm like, Oh, that tasted really sweet. And then it would show a higher blood sugar than what I was expecting. And so then I'd go wash my hands. And of course, after you wash your hands, you have to wait like, seems like forever for your fingers to dry. So it doesn't then dilute the blood and then show a lower blood sugar. Um, So you kind of have to be aware of that too. If it's not really making sense when you check your blood sugar, it's worth at least trying to check it again. You know, Mm -hmm. in the recent years, I've done that where I'm like, man, that just doesn't, doesn't make sense with how I feel. Yeah. I've checked it again, thinking that that was happening, but, um, but it wasn't. So, you know, sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it's not, but it's worth checking again just to see, okay, is, is this what's going on? Or is it something that's on my finger that was causing it to show high or maybe show low? Like if you, like I said, you would just wash your hands or you're were working in some sort of wet environment, then, um, that can dilute that blood and show something that's lower than it, than it actually is. Yeah. And, and in that case too, uh, when I'm doing, uh, strategies then to, to confirm what is really going on when tech starts failing is to make sure that you're, I switch. All right. So there's two schools of thought would be keep the same finger, keep that variable the same what's going on with that tech. Um, but I try to check different fingers at that scenario. So I get a better, understanding of what's happening in my body and, and the circulation, you know, so if the blood sugar reading seems weird or seems high or low, wash my hands, do those things. Instead of maybe like the outside of my left index finger, maybe I'll do the outside of my pinky or something on the same hand, or then I'll switch hand, you know, I think switching it because that will, maybe there is something with that specific part of your finger that's throwing it off, mm-hmm. you know, and so in which case a different part of your finger would be better. Maybe it's calloused in a different way. And it's just, it's deeper 
Oh, and since we're talking about attacking checking blood sugar, uh, one thing that all all diabetics are probably all in agreement, no matter if you're newer or older, we probably don't change our lancets enough. I, I don't <laughs> think I've met uh, I don't think I've met a diabetic that changes their lances as FDA and endocrinologists uh, tell you to do, um, which is like one use. Yeah. Yeah. I'm so bad at that. Like I went to visit my parents in Arizona. I think it, I can't remember if this was, was for Thanksgiving or Christmas, but what, whichever um, we went over to uh, my dad's cousin house and one of the people there, we were talking about diabetes and everything. And they're, they're like, you know, I'm, I'm curious, can you check my blood sugar? I just, I'm curious um, what it is. I'm like, sure. So I get my stuff out and I'm like, Oh, I should probably change the Lancet. And I'm like, I wonder when the last time I changed this was. And I'm like, it's probably been maybe over a year since I've no. changed this thing. <laughs> a year. Great. That's not okay. Yeah, I know. I mean, it's not like six months is better anyway. Yeah. Holy cow. Yeah. I mean, it may, I mean, my, my memory as far as timing goes, isn't great. So it could have been less than that, but it's, I'm like, I literally don't even remember the last time I changed this. And it was probably the last time somebody asked me to check with their blood sugar. Oh, like telling me, well, like, Hey, can you check my blood sugar? That's pretty much the only time I change it is when somebody yeah. asks me, Hey, can I, can you see what my blood sugar is? I'm like, yeah, let me change this. So you don't get all the blood from the last year. <laughs> And so to the, the uh, type two or non-diabetic listeners, the Lancet is, is the needle that you use to poke yourself. So yep. uh, we now are recording uh, and putting our, these podcast recordings on YouTube. Uh, and so you can see these, but I'm holding a, a pen up to the camera, right? So it's like you put the pen on your finger. If I could, don't miss my finger. And you put it on the finger. And then as I push the pen button, like the actual pen comes out, right? Where they actually has the ballpoint ink and that is what's happening that's the lancet the lancet is the needle that shoots in and out real fast breaks your skin hit clip hit ends up nicking a capillary so you can squeeze blood out to the surface to put on your meter um that being said the reason why you want to change it very frequently as we're supposed to is by multiple uh uses that needle gets bent just like the yep, injection or the fusion yeah it takes its toll and so then there's a some type of metal that you're using to stick yourself and it gets more crooked and crooked and crooked at like a 90 degree angle. And you could be like jamming a needle that's at a 90 degree angle trying to through your skin. And that's, that's when it starts to hurt more. Yeah. Yet, but uh, you get calluses, you don't feel it. You're, you know, you're uh, very peripheral pinpoint neuropathy. So you don't feel it. And, uh, and you just kind of as a diabetic go about your day. Cause it's just a hassle. You're like, screw that. I'm not changing that, but we should be changing it. Uh, to yeah, I think they, don't they say you should change it after every, every yes. prick. Yeah. I'm like, that's just excessive. <laughs> <laughs> like, I think I changed mine every real realistically, probably every couple weeks or month of one click. So like I use some people with lancets have like the one and done, like it's just like they only put one needle in, but I like yeah. the ones that have a couple of them in. Hmm. So it's like I twist the dial and then I'm on like number two and then oh, number three out of six or whatever. And so I like doing that. And so like every few weeks, I, I just like give it a turn uh, when I remember, but it's definitely something as all diabetics, we fail to do. But as you're trying to come up with a solution about high blood sugar or what's going on with your blood sugar, that's something maybe you should consider too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of times what you're saying with changing fingers, 
Um, a lot of times I will change to my pinky because whatever food or something that I was touching, I'm like, oh, maybe that was affecting it. Like I feel some sort of sticky solution on my fingers or something. But I'm like, hey, it didn't touch my pinky. So I'm going to ch- check it with my pinky because I know that's that one wasn't affected by whatever's on it to see if that's corrected. Um, and then have you ever tested or s- tested one hand versus the other hand? Oh, yeah. And be different. Oh, yeah. Mine's always different. Mine's always at least 10, 10 points different. Yeah. Yeah. Mine too. And it's like, what the heck is going on? So, what do you do in that scenario when you check blood sugar? I know what I do, but what do you do when it's like different like that? Do you say you null it and you say, I got to just calm down and check this again later or, or what? Yeah. So, if it's significantly different, um, I'm just going to like keep checking or cleaning my hands, cleaning whatever hand was um higher and see if then it normalizes because it does i mean i've never had it to where one hand was significantly higher than the other one but when you're on that borderline of like oh i should take insulin or i should drink something or eat something because you're on that borderline one hand says you probably should drink something one hand says "Eh, you're probably all right that that's when it becomes a difficult decision. It's like, okay, which one should I go with? And that ultimately comes down to what's going to be happening in the near future. Am I about to go work out or do some sort of activity where I'm going to be on my feet or walking around? Then eh, I'll I'll have a little bit of something. If I'm just going to be sitting around and my blood sugar has been pretty stable, it's not like it's trending down. Um, then I might just kind of wait and see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's, that's when it becomes really tough is when one hand says, oh, you're good to go for a while. One hand's like, uh, you might think about doing something. See, I, that's interesting that you make a decision based off that like hand and what you're doing. I, uh, I always take the average. I try, oh, to, yeah. I try to, the way I think about it is uh, like it's blood sugar is such a dynamic and hormone influenced response. Uh, so is everything, but like compared to blood pressure, blood pressures are stable, right? Like your left arm shouldn't be significantly different than your right arm. If it is, that's a really big problem in taking a blood pressure reading, mm-hmm. but a blood sugar reading, there are so many things that can happen as well as happen with the test that I think it's, it's entirely possible. Now, maybe if I learn more about cardiology and certain circulation in a much more in-depth way. Maybe I would disagree with myself later in the future, but I think it is entirely possible to have that reading be true. Like it's not an error with the tech, but it's just one hand at that specific moment is different than a hand, another part of your finger five minutes later, you know, Mm -hmm. I think that's entirely possible. So uh, I then think about my body and the blood sugar and its stability as more of a fluid thing. And I think, okay, well, there's all these things happening at once what is really going on? What's the best, what's closest to the truth. And cause even like going, uh, philosophy, uh, not, it's not really philosophy, but part of science, but like, uh, how we see things, the statement, like what we really see is just the mental understanding of, of images. It's not even like what we're seeing and what our brain is perceiving. Isn't actually what it looks like yeah. kind of thing. Like, but it's what our brain interprets it in, in the same way all these things are trying to give us understanding what's happening in our bodies now, but it doesn't mean technically that's really what's happening. Yeah. So taking that tangent, this is the fun things that go on in my head every day. Um, Are we real or are we not? I don't know. Do we exist? Uh, But 
zoning it in. Sorry for that tangent. Um, zoning in when I look at my blood sugar, I think that I take the average because I think the average is a more truer value. And then sometimes then it's like, well, let's say it's between 80 and 100, a big point difference, and the average is 90. I'm like, I feel like, like how you say, like, what am I doing? Well, I feel probably closer to 100. So instead of it being 90 and down the middle, maybe in my brain, I'm closer like 92 or 95. Mm-hmm. You know, and I think it's more of this fluidity uh, law of averages. And then what am I closer to opposed to what am I about to do? That's more true. Um, and that's kind of how I think about it. So that's interesting. You, I just assumed you were going to say you averaged it too, but I'm surprised. Nope. Yeah. Ultimately, I think with, I would assume a lot of diabetics are this way too. It kind of comes down to how you feel. So if yeah. you're feeling kind of shaky and that's why you checked your blood sugar and you're on that borderline, mm-hmm. well, you're probably going to drink something because one, you just want to feel better. You want to feel shaky or lightheaded. Um, but if you feel pretty stable and you see that number, you're like, nah, we'll just kind of see what happens. We'll check it in 15, 30 minutes um, and see where it's at then. Uh, but I think, a lot of us just kind of go off of feel, especially after you've been doing it for a long time, you kind of develop a good um, rapport with your, with your body to say, okay, I think we're doing pretty good here. You know, sometimes your body throws you for a loop and you feel really funky. You check your blood sugar and it's perfect. I'm like, what the heck's going on here? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, for the most part, um, you can trust your body pretty well after you've learned with with like we, with what we said, if you've learned with your data and matching it up with how you feel, you have a pretty good idea on what's going on and where you're going. Yep. Yep. Now I want to take a moment because we're, we're telling lots of stories. We're going back and forth. And I think uh, some people might want to be like, okay, all I want to do is in this scenario, what do you do in this scenario? What do you do? Well, uh, well, maybe make a, a blog post or something about that to be that nitty gritty. But I wanted to, since we're just on, on the clock, I wanted to share a story about when technology fails as a diabetic, like what what's what else could be going on and, and the emotional impact that, that could that could be. And what made me think of this is a story a friend told me about uh, that he, we were messaging back and forth a few weeks ago that my friend is in emergency services and he, so he's like a paramedic, firefighter, EMT. Um, I think he's more on the former, not the latter. I, don't, I think he's way past EMT. Um, but anyways, he's telling me this story of this call that he goes on. And it's this guy who's type 1 diabetic with hyperglycemia. And he's been a diabetic for a decent amount of time. He's like in his 20s. And his blood sugar is like 500 something. Right. So it's, it's pretty up there. Wow. Yeah. And they get to the call and he didn't, he wasn't sure if he wanted to call. This guy has been fighting blood sugar. So this isn't like a newer diabetic. This is maybe a few years, but he's been fighting his high blood sugar, kind of like what we've been describing for a while. And his blood sugar just kept creeping up and up and up. He wasn't able to figure out what technology was failing and he was doing all the right things. You know, um, let's say it's you or I, or, or anybody else who is really in depth knowledge of nutrition or lifestyle and really considerate of all these things, you know, how to bolus, you know, how to do dual and square wave, you know, how all these crazy strategies as a diabetic, like you've taken a lot of effort at this point to, uh, take control of your life and live the life that you deserve. And you can do all these things, but his blood sugar was still creeping high and he didn't want to call EMS because he didn't want to feel like a failure that he could get his blood sugar down. But he eventually made the call that I can't do this alone anymore. I need like IVs. I need 
that type of intervention. I keep my pump and my shots aren't doing it alone. And so they put an IV drip, they put an insulin drip in them, and they eventually transport them to the hospital for like the day. But what ended up happening was it was a pump failure. Mm. It, it was like uh, like an infusion set or something like that. And you can do all the right things as a diet. You can know all the things. You could have a PhD in insulin sensitivity, but yet the, the, when the tech fails and we failed to... It sucks because we are robots. We all cyborgs. We have robot parts. And if we don't take the time to recognize and accept that, you know, we could be missing a big part of it. And mm -hmm. that I can only imagine how frustrating that must have been to, to that guy who, and because I've had been in similar situations, not to the point where I've called EMS, but where it's like, you're doing all the right things you can't figure it out. And then it's literally something outside of your control. Yeah that's causing you to feel like crap doing all these things. And if you, and it was just this quick fix, it wasn't like this big, Oh, let me learn about something new. Let me learn what I did wrong. It was the tech failed. Yeah. And the emotional impact that that can have on somebody is wild. And I think it's not talked about enough of this feeling of I am really dependent on this and it sucks. And yeah. it's okay to be upset about those things. But when I heard that story, I was like, oh man, the, instantly I wasn't thinking about what he was thinking about the EMS guy, about the, all the other stuff. My first thought was, man, that guy must've been so upset at himself. And it's, you shouldn't be upset at yourself. Yeah. You're human. Yeah. I think it's okay. almost, it's almost worse when your tech fails, at least, at least emotionally for me, because like as diabetics, you just become so comfortable being self-accountable. Like mm -hmm. it was your fault and you did something wrong. You did something wrong and now you're paying the consequences for it, which you, there's still frustration with that, obviously. But when you're doing all the right things and you're like, man, like there's literally nothing I could do better. Like, and then you realize that it was the tech that failed. Mm. man it's just so it's so frustrating yeah. and like when when pump sites go off especially when it's like super inconvenient you're out either working or you're out at some event or something where you don't you can't really change your site whether it's because you don't have it there with you or mm -hmm. you're just people are relying on you and you're, you're super busy you can't just take a moment yeah that's that's even more frustrating because now you got all this craziness going on you're already kind of in that high pace mindset or high stress mindset and then now you just had this big stressor dumped on you that you can't do anything about at that moment right and and it wasn't your wasn't necessarily your fault and it's just it's it it fires you up it, it mm -hmm. really frustrates you and that that frustration can last, you know, several days, several weeks, because um, depending on what it is, like I have, I have probably the most trouble with uh, my sensor oh, sure, um, yeah. being, being reliable. Mm -hmm. And so, the Guardian? Right? I am. Yep. Okay. So yeah, the Medtronic Guardian and, you know, a good chunk of the time it does work pretty well. Gives me a good insight and gives me trends, but at the same time, it fails quite a bit on me, um, both 
just like totally failing to where I have to, it tells me I have to change it. Or I'm like, this is just, I'm looking at my pump. I'm like, this just isn't right. Like I can see the trend of where it's going or where it is. And I'm like, I know that's not it because I don't fear, feel nearly that bad or, or I don't feel anything like what that number is showing me. And then when I go and check my blood sugar and it's way off, I'm like, man, you know, if one, if I didn't understand my body very well and I made a decision off of that CGM, cause I, I'm sure most people do, especially early on. Like if you've just been diagnosed and you have a CGM, like you, you don't really have a great understanding of how your body feels in certain situations. Right. And so you're going to be going off of that, off of that CGM probably a lot, even though it like the manufacturer tells you, you should check your blood sugar before doing any sort of correction, like with a glucometer, like you're not always going to do that. Just like how we don't always change our Lancet. Mm-hmm. We're not always going to check our blood sugar to make sure that's actually where it's at because life happens. You're busy. You don't yeah. want to stop and, and, check your blood sugar, even though it doesn't take very long, it's just enough of a barrier that you're like, well, that's telling me my number. So I'm just going to go off of that. If I were to do that, when that number was that way, I would be screwed right now. Mm -hmm. And so when that happens, even though, you know, I had the wherewithal to then check my blood sugar to make sure it was there. It's just frustrating. Cause then you're like, now I have no trust in this system. So what, Mm -hmm. So what benefit does this have to me? It's almost, it almost doesn't because then it almost creates more of a stressor for me to be like, okay, this is where I'm going or this is where I'm at, but is it? So now I got to check, now I got to check, check it with my glucometer just to make sure, okay, yeah, that's that's what it is. Um, And so that's been my frustration. I know that's not everybody, everybody's experience. Um, So if you are looking at getting a CGM, I would, I would try it um, and try the one that you want um, or the one that has been recommended to you and, and see how it works for you. Because I know there's a lot of people that it works really well for and they really love it. For me, it just hasn't been a great experience for me. It just hasn't been as reliable as I need it to be. And so that's why it's, a lot of times I go long periods without even wearing one because I'm like, yeah, it's it's nice to know. It's nice to see. Nice to have that constant reminder. Uh, it's almost sometimes a reminder just to check my blood sugar because I'm yeah. like, eh, you know, I I now I'm jaded. Like I don't I don't trust it, and so I'm like I see the number, I see the trends, um, but ultimately, if I'm gonna make any sort of decision, whether it's just simply to go work out, I'm gonna check my blood sugar with my glucometer first to see where it actually is. And then I'll make decisions on if I need to take drink a juice box or take a little bit of insulin or whatever's going on. Which which most CGMs you're actually supposed to do. You're supposed to not yeah. technically make decisions. Uh, it was around the Dexcom G5. And then when the Guardian 670 Medtronic one came out, um, that's when I think they started getting approval that you could actually make decisions. But it was always never like, I think the original Dexcoms were never supposed to like make actual decisions off of it. It was supposed to be, um, what's your trend, which still has a lot of variable information, but when you are starting to make decisions there and then you get Jade, yeah, that trust there. It's hard, weird. It's weird to think that you don't trust like technology. Like 
you know, it's it's like <laughs> it's such a bizarre thought um, and the emotions you can have towards that. I remember uh, not that of distrust, but I remember being angry at my pump so much. Like mm-hmm. I can't remember if I've told this story or not since we've been doing this for like a year now. But I had I think I have I had like I was wearing tighter pants, like tighter, like nice looking pants. I was driving. I was new to my pump or new to the, this pump at the time. And it just kept beeping at me over and over and over. And I literally, because of traffic on the highway, I couldn't like pull my pump out of my pocket. Cause it was too uh, yeah. tight. Yep. And then it was just like yelling. And I was like, I literally, no one was in the car. I was like, stop. And I'm not going to yell at the podcast, but <laughs> I would, if I was the person, but I was like, stop freaking <laughs> talking. You're so needy. I'm going to take care of you. Calm down. Like I just called this rant of me yelling at my pump that I can't reach. And uh, it's, it's weird to have emotions towards our technology that way, but it becomes such part of our life that it's understandable that we would. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The new, the new Medtronic is so much more annoying because there's just so much more, more alerts to it. Well, well, they have the, they have the, like the 720 now or whatever. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Not the new, new one. I don't, I haven't used that one yet, but the, yeah, the six, six, seven or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I wanted to say, you know, despite all of this, you know, this is like the, the impact we're discussing and it's okay to talk about these things. And this is also why it's important to, to why we want to have this podcast, why it's important to interact on with other people, whether it be at diabetes camps or on zoom meetings or conferences, uh, cause you're not alone. People feel this way too. Um, if you're a type one. And so, but that being said, it's okay. And we should talk about these emotions and these interactions. Uh, but when you're feeling that frustration or if you ever feel like a failure, you know, there's, there's still tomorrow and there's still tomorrow to learn, take what you learn from today and to apply it moving forward. You know, it's like for me now, if I have a sense that it could be my pump, like you said, six to 12 hours is what you wait. I don't, I don't mess around with it. The second I get the, the whiff of that, it could be my technology because I've had so many technology failures. What used to happen with my pump uh, before the one I had now is that it would say no delivery, especially when I first put in a site. But if I pushed enough insulin through, it would start delivering. But that would last like 12, 24, 30 hours. And so, but I knew I didn't want to waste one. So I knew if I kept pushing it, but now I've done that so many times in so many years, it's like, I will figure out a way to replace this site. I will spend, you know, if it takes 30 minutes on the phone to get that one sensor or or do it on Medtronic's website, do whatever I need to do to replace that one because there's a failure in the tech. I'll do it because I, you know, now at this point, um, I've learned. But my what I was getting at was that you take what you learn, you do the best you can, and you know, it's there's no this is rockets. This is rocket science. This is hard what we're mm-hmm. doing, and it's okay to mess up. And as long as you wake up the next day and take a breath and try to take what you learn and apply it, you know, and try to get just a little bit better. That's all we can do. And that's all that you should strive to do. And that's okay. Yep. Yeah. It's, it's almost, it's worse than rocket science because there's so many variables and they're ever changing. And so, mm-hmm. um, so if you're not, if you're not winning right now, you, you will get there as long as you keep trying, you keep trying to find it and get as much data as you can and try and understand your body as much as you can. Um, because ultimately it's going to be different for everybody. Like Garrett, he struggles a lot with his port sites. Me, not quite as much, but I struggle a lot with the sensor. And so mm-hmm. it, that, um, you know, poses different challenges and different solutions to those challenges. Right. And yeah, so it just comes down to you being your own 
advocate for your health, being essentially your own doctor and trying to figure out how your body works best and what works best for your body and your and your situation because like we both have pumps and some people like especially after hearing this i'm sure people aren't super excited about getting a pump um because <laughs> there's there it just adds more variables to, to things but at the same time i mean there's plus and minuses you have convenience yeah. and, and all that stuff but at the same time you know a lot of people they love the mdis and it works really really well from them um so everything, everything you have to take for a grain of salt and see what works best for you. Right. Well, well, I think, uh, this is a good, like natural stopping point to this. Um, and you know, we'll, we'll kind of follow up, uh, with maybe more details about nitty gritty stuff, but I think, you know, our, our biggest goal with all of this is just to share this information, um, and have a space where people can listen and talk about these topics. Um, so if you, want to continue with that mission we appreciate you um liking and continuing to share these these episodes send it to somebody you know or maybe somebody you don't know but just briefly like online that you've had a few messages back and forth you know whatever it may be but uh, uh we encourage you to help us share it's okay to talk about these things it's okay to have tech failures and be proud of your robot parts as one of our first guests um has said and mm -hmm. um I actually saw a, a post on Instagram. It was like a diabetes word of the week. I think it was by like uh, young, wild and diabetic. These two, these two girls that uh, have an account and, and the, the word of the week was, um, what was it like pump slut or diabetes slut? Uh, maybe I shouldn't have said that word on, on a recording, but <laughs> it's like people who take pictures with their robot parts and share it loud and proud. And it's mm, kind of yeah. a joke. Like it's not yeah. it's a shame like that, that, you know, it's if anything, something to embrace that like, yeah, I show off my robot parts, like screw you. Like I'm like this badass, and, and I have these things and, and I live a good life. Um, and so anyways, I think it's okay to show these things off and, and just move through life. So thank you all for listening. That was a side rant on a closing. So you can, if you want to do try to close out against, I failed to close and just rant again, Grady, <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it to you. I'll shut up. Yeah. Well, I just wanted to add a little something because I like I, I've announced this before or earlier in the year that uh, I'm actually going to be doing a review on the different port sites. So kind of related to oh, the yeah. topic that we talked today um, and showing talking about the pros and cons of each and how well they worked on my body and and hopefully give people um, some insight into maybe changing the type of port site or at least investigating different ones because I didn't even know there was more than one because for whatever reason, I just kept ordering the same one and just mm -hmm. assume, Hey, that's the one that they make. And that's the only one, but Medtronic right. makes, um, several different kinds. I'm reviewing three of them because the fourth one is really the same as one of the other ones. It's just a different insertion shut and, and whatnot. And so I'll be, I'll be reviewing that. Hopefully, very quickly um, because I'm actually, I just started the last type. And so we're going to see how that works out for probably at least four or five of them just to see, cool. make sure I get a good idea of what's actually working and what not, what's not working. Um, so look forward to that, but um, we are going to wrap it up. So uh, thank you guys for listening. Uh, we had a great time making this podcast. It was a great one. And hopefully you guys got a lot out of it. If you have any questions about what we talked about or any suggestions on future topics that you want us to talk about, 
please contact us, whether it's email or social media. Um, we love to hear from you. But other than that, we will see you on the next episode of the Diabetes Podcast. See ya. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode if you found value in today's conversation we would appreciate it if you gave a five-star review it really helps us branch out our community and get our message across to those who really need to hear it if you want to interact with us on social media you can follow us on the die buddies podcast on facebook twitter and instagram or if you have any questions comments concerns or moral outrages you can email us at the die buddies podcast at gmail.com thanks